Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, financial institutions, the way they make money is off interest, right? Like they lend it to you. You borrow from them. They hope you pay it back as long as it takes. Well, they, that's why they keep increasing their limits. But they want to keep you in debt. The more they keep you in debt, the more you make money. But that's not how they make money. They make their money by using leverage. And so they loan it out. You pay them. So there's a way. They hope you never learn how to do it because then you won't need them. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. This is the show where we discuss strategies on how to grow, build, and protect minority wealth. And today we're going to do something a little different. We actually have a ton of great episodes in our archives. Since the inception of the show, I've had the pleasure of talking to so many phenomenal people, and I want their information and the strategies and tips and mindset that they have to be shared with the world, and I don't want it to be buried in the past, right? So today is Flashback Friday Featured Edition. And I hope you enjoyed the message from one of our previous guests because it's really so impactful and you need to take a listen. We'll see you next time for our regularly scheduled episodes, but stay tuned for today. Hello, hello, hello. Today's episode with Jamila McClunny. You guys are in for a treat. This is kind of great. Uh, she is a principal and financial strategist for Black Wealth Financial. I love the name. She started that company after learning some very important money lessons the hard way, being completely clueless as to how credit cards, mortgages, 401ks, or any of that worked. She was making horrible money decisions. And that ultimately impacted her financial future in a very real way. So that is just a snippet of the beginning of her bio. There's so much in here. And if you don't follow her on LinkedIn, you need to, because even her bio on LinkedIn is like, it just makes you want to know more. She really dug into telling us, we actually touched a lot about life insurance, but it's such a powerful tool in 
our wealth building journeys, you wouldn't even realize some of the things that you can do with it. We talked about the stock markets and people losing money from that and how are they using that money. We talked about diversification. We talked about how your portfolio should be split up um, between different asset types and just everything that you really need to know. And I know we actually just finished chatting for like another 45 minutes after I stopped recording. And I'm so mad because I wish we had recorded that too. I may have to have her back on so that we can pick up and, you know, talk about some of those things because she actually takes her clients through financial modeling to really figure out like just all the nuts and bolts and what that plan should look like and where you should be allocating your money and just all the things that you really need to do to create a plan, right? So if you're interested at all, contact her just to even have the conversation. She gives it at the end of the show the information how to get a free 30-minute call with her and just start, just start being interested in your financial future and willing to step out of your comfort zone to reach out to people who you don't know. And it might be uncomfortable talking about your finances, but you need to just get it done and be uncomfortable now so that you can be extra comfortable later. But in any case, let's get into the show. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us again on another episode today of the Share the Wealth Show. This is the show where we discuss strategies to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Jamila McClunny. That's how you say your last name, right? It's Jamila McClunny. Jamila McClunny. Okay, sorry about that. Well, I found you on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and was very impressed with your bio. I actually even printed it out and I have it here with me because mm-hmm. I was like, I just need to study this. This is like, well, like there's so much information just in your bio. They're like, it's very well written. It makes me automatically just want to know more about you and what you do. And just, oh, just ask me questions just from that could take us like two or three hours. So in any case, I'm, I gave everyone a kind of high level overview of, you know, the bio that you sent me. But tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to what you're doing today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I actually got into the financial services industry about 12 years ago. I wanted to be a doctor. That's what I thought I wanted to do my whole life. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to help people. And so transitioning into the wealth management and money management space allowed me to do that. I made horrible, horrible financial things. Just crazy (laughs) in college and after college. Nobody taught me, you know, I didn't know. And so that's really what started me. I was like, I can't be the only one, you know. So that's what really started my deep dive and getting in and learning everything I could so that I could help other people. Okay. Yes. So many already similarities. I went to med school. I was pre-med the entire time, even when other people were dropping out of pre-med. I think they were the smart ones because they realized this is not what I want to do. Let me not waste my whole college undergrad career doing something I'm not going to ultimately end up doing. Um, but I, you know, I know I stick with it. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. a quitter. And so mm-hmm. I started working in the hospital because I was going to have to do post-bac in order to go to medical school. And mm-hmm. then I was like, mm, I don't know, she think this is what I want to do. But it's like now I have this 
science pre-med degree and you know what I'm going to do. So this is this journey has been me figuring that out and stumbling into real estate and starting that way. And so I also made terrible financial decisions in college that ruined everything. You know, we weren't really told, like you said, but so this neither here or there, but any case, now you are in the financial services industry and tell us about Black Wealth Financial. Okay. Black Wealth Financial, we help professionals, entrepreneurs, business people. We help them protect and grow their wealth. And ultimately to increase their cash flow by protecting our money from the three biggest triple threat to wealth building. And those are taxes. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Wall Street and debt. So those are the areas that I focus on improving and increasing and using some advanced financial strategies to tackle so that we can increase the cash flow and build up the wealth. Okay. So automatically my ears peak when you said advanced financial strategies, because I have no clue what that means. (laughs) Uh well everybody's different right so I kind of take a a really a holistic approach to what you have going on everybody's not the same everybody's financial or money journey is not the same but I almost like a financial like a personal trainer is how I explain it you know I'm really getting in it's like okay Nicole this is the body that you want to have this is how you want to look and I'm weighing you I'm looking at you now and I'm saying these are steps that we have to take to get you there but, you know, a lot of advisors aren't starting there. You know, there, there are things that are preventing you getting to where you want to be. And if we tackle those, we can get you there much quickly. So that's my focus. And, and that's really what sets me apart and makes me different from most advisors out there. Okay. So what, you, what exactly is holding up the other advisors to be able to help their clients as fully as you probably could help them? I think it's probably just understanding. I've had consultations with clients and they come to me and one of my questions I ask, have you ever worked with a financial advisor before? And they'll say, yeah, I talked to somebody and they said, I need to spend less and save more. And it's like, okay, yeah, but how do I do that? Right. So like, I understand, you know, I come from, I I think we learn our spending and financial habits from our parents, just like most of the things. And so I, I understand what that looks like. A lot of you know, as a first generation money, college graduates and just starting to make some real money. And so I know what that background looks like and what needs to happen. And so I can kind of start to get that foundation together to get you where you need to be. So most advisors are like, okay, how much money, Nicole, do you have to invest? You know, got a hundred thousand, fifty thousand. And if you don't have that, you're just out of the running. But you still need the education, right? And so what if I can help you build and get to the 50000 or the 100000 And then we can do, you know, some of the advanced stuff later. But the foundation has to be right. Yeah. So that's what I believe. Okay. Looking to build wealth with real estate? Are you all tapped out on YouTube University and ready to get help tailored to your specific situation and goals? Have you always known that you were a little different from the crowd, that you never liked following the status quo, and that you're just tired of living in mediocrity. You want to build wealth on your own terms outside of Wall Street? Well, you know, then maybe the Microfamily Mavericks mentorship program can help with that. It's a community where I handhold you through the process of buying your first small commercial multifamily building because not everyone is ready for 100 units out the gate. Why multifamily? Because it gives your rental income a hedge against vacancy. Imagine what happens when your single family rental tenant leaves, right? And why commercial five plus units? Because you have 
much more control over increasing the building's value in the commercial space, and then in turn, increasing your own net worth. Starting small is a stepping stone to so much more because then you can tap that equity and buy another building and another and another, and you get the point. So increasing your cash flow and your ability to be job optional along the way. It's all a part of the journey. So if you think big, but you want to start small, and if you know multifamily real estate is a way for you to open the door to building a life of freedom, abundance, and legacy, but you just need someone to guide you step-by-step, and you want to be surrounded by other people on the same journey, doing the same thing, then just click the link in the show notes to find out a little bit more about the Microfamily Mavericks, and I look forward to potentially seeing you on the inside. So now back to the show. So what are some of the, I guess, because out of all of your clients or what you've seen most regularly occurring, um, what are some of the common financial strategies just to make the foundation stronger that you've had to give as like advice to your clients? Like what's the most common thing that you've seen? One thing that I see often is helping. You know, we're not really where we want to be, but we're helping grandma. We're helping mom. We're helping auntie. I see your face. That that sounds familiar a little bit. Uh, Helping. And, you know, I get it. We're under that obligation. You're the first one that made it. You know, you have family looking at you like, I know you got it. I need this. And so that's one of the things that I always say, blame it on me. Tell them your financial advisor said, can't do it. You know, and it's not permanent, but we got to get you together for, you know, when you're on an airplane and they say, Fix your oxygen mask first. So I want to help you actually have some money to be able to help later. So you got to take care of yourself first. Yeah, that is deep because especially when the people who came before you have sacrificed a lot to help get you to where you're at, you feel obligated to return the favor. But in that, it becomes a vicious cycle because you can never get your oxygen mask on first. And you might have to do a short-term sacrifice and decide, like, I can't help or I can't help as much as I want, or maybe, like, siphon off a certain percentage or amount of money monthly or annually or something that you can actually donate or give for certain causes, or if it's something like this, an emergency. I think that's what I heard uh, one of my other um, hosts or guests before said that, that that's what he had to do was basically put limits and like put requirements on like if you need help it has to be for one of these reasons like that things that he thought were serious enough that like you actually need the money not because you overspent on your grocery bill and I don't know something else like oh yeah you're not gonna start to that but anyway but that's what that's like basically and then if what's he gave that or you know to whoever was asking anybody else who came after that was just too late for them like he didn't have any more and like he had certain dollars delegated to helping family and the rest was for his financial. And I think getting some, you have to come up with some kind of plan to handle that. So you don't look completely selfish or you just got to not care what people think about you. I I think the latter. And you know what? Everybody's going to be okay. That's what I've learned. They'll figure it out. They'll ask somebody else. They'll get it. You know, they're not going to die. They're not going to starve. They're going to figure it out. So once you can let go of that, you know, kind of tie, you, you can uh, get where you need to be. Yeah. And actually, you know what? It's actually, it's painful for them in that moment that they have to figure yeah. it out, but it helps them 
more in the long run because they could figure it out and now they can do that again. It's kind of yeah. like at teaching a man to fish instead of just giving him the fish thing. Like, yeah. hard, you might not learn how to do it at first, like not catch nothing. But if you stay consistent, you do it, you'll you'll get it together. Yeah. yeah. Figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Okay. So in your bio, I knew I was going to pull a lot of information from here. <laughs> you said you teach people how to play the debt game like financial institutions play and not how they teach. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Well, Financial institutions, the way they make money is off interest, right? Like they lend it to you, you borrow from them. They hope you pay it back as long as it takes. Well, so that's why they keep increasing your limits. But they want to keep you in debt. The more they keep you in debt, the more you make money. But that's not how they make money. They make their money by using leverage. And so they loan it out, you pay them. So there's a way, they hope you never learn how to do it because then you won't meet them. So I teach my clients how to become their own bank so that they can earn their own interest on their own money, borrow from themselves, pay themselves back and continue to grow and build over time. Okay. All right. So you're talking about the, like the bank on yourself, life insurance policies or something? That's, that's a big, that's a big component that I think our community misses out on. Uh, I've been in industry, industry for a long time. My my grandfather actually, an entrepreneur, he owned a lot of property and land and he had burial insurance, right? Like black people, we might, if we buy insurance, we're going to get that. We might get burial, just enough. <laughs> when you see how other people and how the wealthy are using life insurance to grow and build themselves and borrow from themselves, it's a powerful tool that I think is really being overlooked in our community. Yeah. Okay. Now, becoming tax efficient and significantly reducing taxes paid over your lifetime. So I get that that is just basically, is that basically just investing in assets that will give you tax, like write-offs or that are tax advantage? And what are some of those that you've um, recommended for your clients? One of the big ones you know is real estate, right? Like you can write that off. Uh, any of those types of assets, most of the things that we're taught is to put it into tax deferred things where, you know, you put in your 401k, your IRA, penalize if you touch it before a certain age, you got to pay taxes on it. A lot of people don't know that that account grows and it falls, you know, it goes up and down. And so you're kind of looking at that end number thinking that's your number. Say you have a million dollars in it, but at retirement, you still got a partner, you know, taxes, you got to pay that. And so it's just being more efficient and knowing, you know, I, I just want everybody to really see the power of how life insurance can work because there's a lot of tax efficient strategies in that. There's a lot of um, compounding growth that you can have in it over time. And then there's the opportunity to use it perfect for real estate, you know, borrow it from yourself instead of the bank. And one of the things that's really powerful about it is when you borrow from it, you don't lose. It's not like you actually took that money out. So that money is still there growing as if you never touched it. And that's what really makes it powerful, too. So imagine you have a property and let's say it's $20,000 that you need to put down. So most people will borrow that from the bank, right? $20,000, get a loan, and you pay whatever. Now we're what, like seven and a half interest rate, which is crazy. <laughs> like a, I have a friend is actually looking at mortgages, thirty year mortgages for a second home, and she's getting quoted over eight. Wow, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and 
you know, so if you can borrow against yourself from yourself and put that 20000 down. And so let's say it's an investment property. As your tenants make that payment, you make the payment back to your life insurance policy. But it's still growing as if you never took the $20,000 out on top of the interest that you're gaining from making the money from the tenant. So it's like getting your dollar to do the job of two things. And that's what most people, most people's dollar do one thing, right? But if you can get it to do one, two, three, five things, then you're just growing and building all over the place and not really depending on one source. Yeah, I definitely try to stretch my dollars as much as possible (laughs) all over the place. So I have used a bank on yourself policy. I have one now. Um, nice. Like as soon as I funded it, I pulled out and I actually bought my first commercial property with that. Like it's a joint venture. So I, the main reason, cause I know like I've heard you can, there's so much flexibility with it. I've heard that you can actually borrow from an outside institution against your cash value in the life insurance policy. And some places at the time were giving, I don't know if they're still lower, but lower interest rates than even the life insurance was giving you. Mm-hmm. But then the main draw for me was that I was going to be repositioning these properties and I didn't want to have like a dedicated payment. So with the life insurance, with mine, I don't have to pay the principal ever. I can just pay the interest. And then that way I can take the principal back after like I do whatever I need to do with the property, refinance, blah, 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 take chunk, pay back. So that was why that had more of a draw for me. The other thing about it that I'm probably like, I studied this a lot at first when I first opened it, but I am getting foggy on the details. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you the, the working, the, like the money we would take out from your withdrawal, not withdrawal, but take a loan or whatever from your, a loan from your cash value, right? Cause that's basically what it is. So your cash value is still there because you're actually borrowing from the life insurance companies pool of money, not from your own pool of money, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why your balance stays the same. And I know you get dividends on your balance that's still in there, but then you're also paying interest on the loan that you took out. So does it, is that like a wash while you have the loan with withdrawal or so is it still growing on this side if you're paying interest? You know what I'm saying? Like how does that work? Yeah, it is still, it depends on what you're doing, right? So if you're pulling it out, you want to make a higher percent than what the loan, what the loan is, right? Yeah. And there's tons of different permanent life insurance policies. The ones that pay dividends are called whole life. Uh, there's a lot of people running around selling them, but they have to be properly structured in order to really get the maximum ability that they can have. So if you're if you're paying interest or if you're taking a loan against your policy for four percent, then you you need to make more than four when you're taking it out. But the great thing about it is if you're purchasing real estate or another cash producing asset over time, I did the math on, um, I don't remember the numbers right now, but it was almost like a 400% increase on what it was over time because you're paying the loan back and it's not, it's paid, it's a decreasing loan. So it's not your original balance. So every time you make a payment, your balance is getting lower and lower and lower and you don't have to pay it back. You don't pay it back. They deduct it from your the death benefit. So it's not really like, you know, if you can really use it to do like what you did, that was a powerful move. And I haven't really met, have, I've only met, I've been doing this for 12 years. I met one client who already had this type of policy working for her. And I was shocked because it's something that once I learned, I was like, oh my God, I got to tell everybody. Like, nobody knows about this. Like, 
<laughs> and it's not a secret, but it, it is a real powerful move to just really strategically move money and grow money. Uh, this is how the wealthy's been doing it forever. Yeah. And I've heard about that, like what Walt Disney and some other big names took from their yeah. their whole life retirement accounts. Okay. And so what do you, what do you think about, I've been sharing a lot about like IUL. Mm-hmm. And I, the only thing that I had studied and heard about was whole life. Cause I guess that's like the stable, more reliable version of the whole life policy. But then if you have IUL, which is like your losses are capped, right? It, certain things like, it, which, which do you prefer? Like go into detail, like why would you do it or not do it? What do you like better IUL versus whole? Like. Your whole life is going to be, that's a good question. Your whole life is your guarantee, right? You're going to average about 5% with the dividends. Like, guarantee it's coming regardless. The IUL, it stands for Index Universal Life. So it's tied to an index. So like the S&P 500. So let's say, and they're capped. They don't they have a floor of zero. So you can never lose more than 0%. You just won't lose anything. But let's say the market is up 30% and your IUL is capped at 10 so you give up some of the upside to not have any of the downside, which is great, right? But there's going to be some years when you get zero. So there's going to be no growth for the year yeah. where your whole life is that guaranteed. But, you know, there are going to be times you get 10%. Yeah. And so there's still, you know, costs associated with it when you get those zeros. Uh, they're very flexible with premiums. So it just depends. I, I think that it's great. But the whole life is just, especially in an environment like now when people are seeing the their 401k balances like drop by six figures and their stocks drop, people want guarantees, right? And one of the things you talk about is a dividend. You're not getting dividends in the IUL. So dividends are nice. And it, yeah. And so then you're really building and growing. So for you, for having one of them. Thank you. Yes, I'm a Small win. Yes. Oh, man. But yeah, it's like the, the other thing, too, I'll just throw it out there and say it. Like, I was refinancing the first building that I purchased. I was going to put all the money back in there, you know, have that be sitting and growing for the next time I needed something. And then we ended up refinancing and actually buying another building right away. So I haven't still been able to pay back that. And even though I paid it back to myself, it's still something in my head like, okay, I got to pay that because I know it'll grow faster when I don't have a loan out. But it, even though it's still growing and I'm still like leveraging, you know, the the interest rate from there with versus the interest rate from my investments. But it's just, I think over, since I also so new, I only had it for like two years, you do see more benefits increasing as you as the years go on because then that cash value starts growing. And at some point, you could even stop paying the premiums, right? And like the policy can have enough cash flow or dividends to take over yep. the premiums. That's true. Yeah. And like I said, it depends on how they're structured. You're going to have, over time, you're going to see like a lot of growth in it. And your your initial thought was what you would want to do, right? You want to take the cash, put it back, and just keep, you know, funding it out. But, you know, do it as you can. I, you know, let's say you make payments back, right? You don't necessarily have to put the whole lump sum, but, you know, maybe it's just payments that you make over time. And then you just rinse and repeat, keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And now you're the bank of Nicole versus <laughs> going somewhere else and paying. But, but it works 
for anything, right? The whole, one of the things I ask my clients a lot, I give an example and I say, okay, Nicole, like I'm going to give you some apple seeds, right? You tell me you want to grow some apple trees. I got the seeds. I'm going to give them to you. At some point in time, I'm going to come back and I need you to run me my money for the, for the apple. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it. You know, <laughs> so you can pay me when I come back. Now, you're taking your time, you're tilling the ground, you're making sure you water it and it's getting the proper sun and you're out there putting in all the labor all the time to make these trees grow. Here I am and I'm looking, oh, you got a nice little orchard here, Nicole. Like, and I want to be paid. You know, I, I gave you these seeds and I always ask the question, I'll ask you, would you pay me back? Would you pick the apples from the tree to pay me or would you cut the tree down and give me the tree, and then I can go take the tree and plant it, and then I'm growing apples. Wait, cut the whole tree down? Cut the whole tree down. Root it up. Here, you can take the tree. Oh, so that somebody else can just replant it? But then they already got, like, a, a grown tree that I put all the work in to grow. Right. You got to start from seeds like me. I'm going to pay you back seeds. So let me take a couple apples. I'll give you back the same amount of seeds you gave me with the interest interest seeds. Thank you. Give me um, more seeds. Okay. Yeah, you get a couple extra seeds, but I think um, I'm going to keep my tree because I spent a lot of time growing with it. Exactly. Exactly. But so when you position debt in the way where you're saving all your money, you're paying cash for something, right? You're essentially chopping down the tree and now you got to build it back up. So when I ask people that, you're, you're, you're a smart girl, they say, I'm going to just cut the, cut the tree. You can have the tree. And But when we talk through it, it's like, yeah, why? just like you said, like, here's the seeds. I did all the work. So what you want to do, you, you want to keep your work always working for you, right? So when I hear people say, hell, I paid cash for this, like hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, it's like, oh, that could have been growing and building for you. And you could have borrowed against it like you never took it. So that's that's kind of how I position that analogy to get people to really understand the power of what it is. Not a flex to pay cash, right? To have the ability to pay cash is a flex. But to pay cash, you don't really understand how money works or you don't have it working for you. And so one of the stories I talk about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Finish. Finish what you're saying. Before this meta debacle, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. He was, the last time I checked, he was worth like 72 billion and he has a mortgage. And you would think like, why does he have, he can take, write the check. He won't fill it. His kids, kids won't ever fill it, but he's got his money. I was like, man, whoever manages his money understands how money works, right? So the money that he would have taken to pay this house off, he's got it investing, growing, working somewhere. And then he just makes the payments back to his mortgage. So it's really like a, understanding a different mindset, right? That That's really what I work on trying to change. It's the mindset. Oh, I love that example, though, of the tree. Yeah. Because yeah, it really did make me think for a second. But then I was like, he can have one tree. But I was like, no, I, I spent time working on that. It was basically like this whole, so it's all about using debt wisely for appropriate things and not just consumer debt, but debt for investment and arbitraging your interest. Exactly. So like yes, what you're gaining way. versus what you're paying for the debt. Because honestly, to tell the truth, if I had $72 billion or I was worth $72 billion, I don't know if I'd be bothering with a bank. I, 
He probably got, I mean, if you got a bigger, if it's going to be super easy, if I don't got to send you 500 pieces of paper, okay, all right, we can just do it. But like, I wonder what that looks like, that process, approval process looks like for Martin's I wonder what that looks like, because it's such a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah. It's really, but. But it's probably collateral for him. Like kind of what you were talking about earlier, your life insurance policy can be collateral. So banks, you know, can look at it and say, oh, she's got this much money in here. You know, there's advanced strategies where people sell off their life insurance. And then they, you know, like say you're 80 and the premiums are higher than you want to pay. Somebody will come and offer you a percent of the death benefit. Maybe they give you 300,000, but the policy's worth a million. You're 80, you don't care. So you take the 300. Now you're going to die at some point and the investor will keep me. It's so many, there's so many ways. Okay. So I have heard about that. Now I got to go to that. Okay. So you're 80, you're about to die. So you can sell off your life insurance. If you need capital right now, Mm -hmm. because like, you know, whatever is happening. So you want that 300,000. But that person knows that once you pass, they'll get your, they'll be the beneficiary of that policy yeah. now. So they'll get the full million. Like, what about, I guess, if you don't have heirs, you don't, because then otherwise, are they buying the full amount of your death benefit or just partial amounts? Or like, who, they're now the owner or just the beneficiary? They're now the owner. They're, now, yeah, they're the owner. now the owner and the beneficiary. Okay. Yeah. And so it just depends. That's like, you know, if you just really need capital or you don't even have to be 80. I just use that as an example. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's the way. Yeah. But but what you're saying, you know, I ask people that, too, like with the lottery, if you won the lottery, like, what would you do? First thing, because the, the fact of the matter is all debt's not the same. Right. Like yeah. I, I talk and preach. There's good debt. There's bad debt. It might all feel the same to you when you're paying it and you're looking at the balance <laughs> It's not all the same. And so, you know, if you can determine, you know, your mortgage is good debt. I think student loans are good debt. You know, without those, you may not be in the position to have the career that you have. You know, you can write off the interest with that sometimes. So the bad debt is that, that cancerous debt is what I call it. The credit card debt and the personal loans and depending on type of car loan. Yeah, that's, that's eating away at your ability to earn money. So get rid of that. And then really start running up the good debt as leverage, like what you did with your with your policy or, you know, refining that. That's a great way to do it. Home equity lines of credit, also real great, really great uh, tools to use. And yeah, I get, I get really excited. <laughs> oh, keep going because I want all the excitement. I want like all the like tea to just be spilling out. Right. We need this is to be a masterclass. Now it's almost time. But. I want to ask about like the rates and everything, the craziness that's going on in the market right now. What I guess is an example of like, I don't know, clients who have lost a lot, are they deciding to withdraw and invest in something else? Like what's the general sentiment? Are they just holding off? Because until you withdraw, you don't actually realize the losses. But what I have seen, and I can't find the chart anywhere, but I've seen an example charted out where your money can go down so quickly. And now at your, especially percentage-wise, like if it drops, I'm making these up, if it drops 30 or 40%, it needs to increase by like 
70% in order to get back to the same level that it was before, which also takes longer. And sometimes people I say, oh, when it drops 30%, it'll increase 30% over a year. But like, are you talking about what percentage are you talking about? Are you talking about the same percentage? Because right. percentage of 100, 30% of 100,000 versus 30% of 60,000, those are not the same 30%, right? Exactly. So how is the yeah. whole, what do you see as far as like, realizing losses versus keeping it in because the growth could be slow going up or just like what's your advice to I know you have clients who are invested in in stock market and in Wall mm-hmm. Street and mm-hmm. I know you're you're not are you are are you anti Wall Street but I know you're pretty not favorable towards I'm, I'm, I'm anti look I'm security license I think it serves a purpose right I think it should be a bucket I don't think it should be the complete bucket or the entire bucket I think where you put your money, look, you want to be in, you want to have liquidity, right? Meaning you want to access it when you want to access it, when you need to access it. You want to use it and you want control. And so when you have to go, I even say that for people who lock all of their money up in equity, right? Like who's really in control? I mean, think about it. You got to go to the bank and say, when you refi, you have to now prove that you can afford this new mortgage, you know? And so it's like, who's really in control there? So I think what this environment is showing and should be teaching is I might need to do something else. I might need to diversify and not just do what everybody's doing. You know, should I keep my money locked up in these stocks? Should I keep it locked up in these retirement plans? And it reminds me of the the crash after 08. You know, I I got into the, the business a little bit after that. And I remember going to see this guy. He was months away from retirement. He had lost three hundred thousand in his uh, in his retirement account. Wow. He's like, now what are you gonna do at sixty five? You're gonna work thirty more years to make three hundred thousand back? So, to answer your question, you know, yeah, I, I'm not anti anything. I'm I, I'm pro liquidity use and control. And so wherever that, and I just quickly, I give this example too. Like Nicole, if you had a hundred thousand dollars in your bank, you knew it was in your savings account, and you went to the bank and you said, Hey, fill out your little receipt. I want 10,000. And they say, Well, I'm going to, if you give me 30% of that, I'll give you your 10. They might have to call security, right? Your money, and you want it now. <laughs> but that's what we're doing when we're putting our money in. Like these retirement plans are ridiculous. I got to wait until I'm 59 and a half for my money that I'm putting in faithfully. You know, I got to get permission. You only allow certain times that I can take it out. I'm penalized if I take it out before. Penalized if I don't put it back. Penalized if I don't take it at 69 and a half. All these on your own, that's ridiculous. So I'm pro, we can put the money wherever you want to put it. But there's, my goal is that you put it to grow your tree first, right? Yeah. Then you can take it out, jump back in the market. Market's great, you know? Yeah. When it's when it's not great, we can take it out, put it. But you know, we're just moving and kind of juggling around here. But we're not just depending on one source, one form. Okay. And so, well, because the whole in real estate, the whole thing of, is about it not being a liquid asset at all, right? But it's such a powerful tool. And I hear what you're saying is that just don't put all of your liquidity into an illiquid asset because then you don't have ability to access that. I probably don't follow that advice, but <laughs> what is your ideal 
distribution in the perfect world, like percentage wise, you have a, your your finances or whatever, you have 100% of something. What percentage breakdown into what different types of buckets and asset classes is kind of what you think would be like an ideal scenario to give you the best benefits of the different, you know, like the benefits and growth of an illiquid asset, but then the accessibility of a liquid one, it kind of has like where each market has its own ebbs and flows. And it's, I don't know, I know that's a hard question, but do you that have- is, that, that is a hard question because, right, it, it always changes. Everybody's different. What I will say is a standing, I think 15 to 20% should be saved. Wherever you save it is where you save it. You know, I, I think you should save it for yourself to benefit first. But with with real estate being illiquid, this is how I view real estate, right? Like the equity that you're going to gain in real estate, you're going to gain whether you have a mortgage or not, right? So we're not, why would you lock all your money up in there? You know, I, I, you're going to have, the market's going to do what the market's going to do. It has nothing to do with, so what you're doing, it seems like a smart move. Yeah, and it's obviously I haven't seen your complete financial picture, but would take the money out, buy something, and just keep going and keep going. And then it's passive income. You know, you're going to get it when the market goes up. You can refire, get the home equity line, and just keep doing it over and over and over. But the biggest thing you want to do is grow first yourself, your, your oxygen path, your tree, and then we can start sprinkling apple seeds in other places. So it just depends on, you know, how aggressive you want to be or should be. But I think this is an environment that's really teaching that maybe you should look at something different. And I don't I don't like roller coasters. So I'm not getting I'm not getting on for the drop. People like this stomach. I don't like that. I don't want to see my <laughs> money do that. I'll I'll stand and wave and hold all the bags. I, I don't want to do that. Well, actually, I used to be, I don't—I think I still like roller coasters, probably a little bit less now than, but I was younger, <laughs> but I don't, yeah, I don't think I want my money to go to a roller coaster. I just want my money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to drop. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have to. So. No. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Wait, wait, don't go yet. Have you been looking for a way to get started in real estate investing, but you just don't know how? You need the launch pad. Is brought to you by my company, Norfest Holdings. And the Launchpad is a free guide with a ton of resources I've compiled to help you invest into your first real estate syndication. It includes terminology, book resources, video explanations, all the information that you need. Don't know what a syndication is? I got you covered. How to find a good operator. How to even tell if a deal is good or not without having to know how to underwrite it all. It's all in there. The Launchpad is designed to help launch you into the next stage of your investing career and get you invested into your first multifamily syndication as a passive investor, meaning you can be a landlord and own a piece of a large apartment building, but still go about your day-to-day -day life without having to stop and learn every single detail about what's under the hood and how it all works. The link to the guide is in the show notes. Make sure you sign up today. Again, this is a free resource and guide. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me. Now let's finish up the show. Well, actually that leads us right into the next set, the last set of questions at the end of the okay. thing. Hey, you know what, listeners? I need somebody to help me brainstorm a name for this last segment. Because I, I, I've been doing this, what, since Mech? And I don't have a name for this last, like the same three questions I ask every guest. And that's what I call it every time I start. <laughs> if anybody's listening, 
can you help me brainstorm the name for this last segment? If you, if I love your name and I pick it, yeah, I'm going to work out something with you. I'll get some kind of prize or something. But I need, I need a name. I'm, I'm tired to say in the last three questions. <laughs> but anyway, so Warren Buffett said that diversification is protection against ignorance. And what do you think he meant by that? I think it goes just to what we're saying, right? Like sticking to just one thing and you may not know. You know, you don't know what you don't know, but when you don't know, you're ignorant. And so you're missing out on other opportunities by not knowing and not having other things available, especially for your money. So diversifying is is where you want to be and what you want to do. You played Monopoly before? Listen, I am embarrassed. Look, but I Googled. You the first I, I did some reading. I, this is awful. This is awful. Mm. Oh, I've I never played Monopoly. So... I was the second for your person using the life insurance bank, but you are my first. Oh, oh man. So I know. I'm excited about that. Listen, and I studied the question. Listen, I wanted to be prepared. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> I, I needed to know. I, I've never played. Okay. So now you I know. I was a scrabble girl. I was a scrabble girl. Okay. You know what? That is forgivable. But the concept is, Easy, right? So I'm sure in your research you saw Boardwalk is the most expensive property. Baltic is the cheapest property. If you were to play Monopoly, where you have to go around the board, collect $200, you know, use your money to either buy the least expensive property, but it's getting lease rent, but you could build up your hotels and buy houses for it faster because it costs less versus holding out to buy the expensive one where you're... It's going to cost you more money up front, but your cash flow is going to be crazy. I haven't done ROI analysis on Monopoly, so. But in any case, if you were playing the real estate game, which I don't even know if that's it's actually anything that you do, but what would you think that you would pick first to buy? Would you go ahead and get started with the smaller, cheaper property, or would you hold out until you could get the more expensive property with all the extra cash flow? Before my research, I would have said, I want boardwalk, you know. But then when I understand how the game is played, I want Baltic because it's cheap now. It's not going to stay that way, right? I can build up. I can make more money over time. Gentrify. No, I'm not going to gentrify. But <laughs> yeah, you, I, I, it's a better opportunity. I'm, I'm going with Baltic. And I'm going to go play Monopoly. So Okay. Yes. <laughs> now you got to play Monopoly. I, wait, is there a virtual way to play Monopoly? I know. Play virtually. I need to figure that out. There's show somebody should have built that by now. Virtually now. Yeah. World. But um, yeah. but yeah, typical. I don't know. That was that's very. I don't know if that's prejudice for me to say. Yeah. Typical black person want to be bougie and buy boardwalk. <laughs> buy boardwalk. Yeah. Yeah. Because we found it. It's a blast, right? Yeah. It's, it's not a blast. We yeah. want fancy. We want all the nice things, and that's why we have so much consumer debt. I mean, boardwalk is different. That's not consumer debt. That's like actually good debt. But um, I digress. That's not even the same. Going crazy. Now, what is the next step for you professionally in Black Wealth Financial? Like, where do you see yourself? And what is the biggest resource or thing you need now to help grow and get to that next level? Me. I see expansion. Right. Like I 
I mentioned earlier, I'm not the typical financial advisor. I've got merchandise on my side. I've got a card game that I created. And I really want to expand on that with workbooks and workshops and just different educational pieces where people can learn and really get these foundational money lessons that other people are kind of born into. And I think exposure, like I just, you know, tell somebody, send somebody. That's that's what I want to do. I just want to help as much as I can, as much as possible. Perfect. Okay. I love that. And hopefully get some more exposure from this show. Guys, share this episode with people so they can hear what Jamila has to say and really connect with her. And that's the next question. How do people connect with you? You can find me at getblackwealth.com. That is my website. Everything's on there. If you want to schedule a consultation, it's free. You can talk for 30 minutes and see, you know, what you have going on, any recommendations and what we need to do to make sure we can get your apple tree growing. But uh, getblackwealth.com. Okay. I love it. This episode might be called something about apple trees. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Like, this was really a great conversation. Yeah. I'm glad you. I had fun. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad we connected. I'm going to keep in touch. Yes. Please do. Definitely do. I'll keep in touch with you as well. We see each other on LinkedIn and wherever else we'll be connected. And hopefully we do some more things together in the future. That would be great. Do it. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining in with us today on today's episode. And I hope that you really took some gems that Jamila was dropping and picked them up, put them in your bag and share the show, share the wealth, share this information. Don't keep it to yourself. Like and subscribe if you don't already do that. And leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know how you've been liking the show so far and how you like this episode in particular. But in any case, thank you so much for for coming. I have to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. Yeah, no problem. All right, everyone. See you next time. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, Make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.